Hello and welcome to Unraveled. Unraveled is a podcast series and radio show that is based on deeply researched content that analyze state-wide issues and policies in Africa. Unraveled will amplify youth-led responses amid global emergencies in African countries and help in cross-national learning of emergency response strategies. Unraveled is powered by Generation Democracy of the International Republican Institute. Okay, um, hi everyone, it's John here, and um, of course, uh, this it's actually astonishing how Africa, um, as an African as a continent, you know, actually managed COVID-19 uh, as compared to other developed um, continents. Um, if you're wondering what the response strategy in Africa is and how the citizens are reacting to this, then I think um, you need to listen to this man I'm about to talk uh, to, talk to from Malawi, you know, um, he's uh, with the passion for youth participation in democratic process and governance um he holds um you know a bachelor of arts in media studies and of course an llb honors degree from the university of malawi both um, um, um honors from the university of malawi and um he is an alumni of um of the generation democracy that of 2017 um the africa academy in johannesburg you know he, he founded the youth and governance platform in 2015 with a colleague um which is the vehicle that used to uh, that they use practically to advance youth participation in democracy and that is in malawi well um it's no other person i'm talking about other than andrew ndala okay um andrew you're welcome thank you very much john thank you very much john for for having me on the program okay thank you i'll know on this episode um we will be really um doing a kind of um, diagnosis with dissect everything about the response strategy in um, um, to COVID-19 in, in, in Malawi. And of course, we look at um, practically and explicitly, we look at the uh, youth-led responses. And of course, we look at the angle of transparency and accountability to some of the um, support um, on funds, uh, you know, gotten from external sources and the likes. Um, but of course, let's look at Africa in, in context, you know, um, situation report from uh, the WHO, you know, um, the African region was basically tending towards the fact that uh, there has been a progress made so far. Because um, if you look at the report that was released on the 30th of September, um, as compared to that that was released um, on the 23rd of September, you, you will realize that um, there is about 13% decrease in the incident cases and a 7% decrease increase rather in the death compared to the situation report on the 24th September. That means um, there's been a bit of increase. And even if you look at South Africa, that um, South Africa has actually um, been the country that, it, that, that registers the largest number when it comes to daily cases of COVID-19. But for the, for the past weeks, there have been decrease, you know, in, in, in the number that have been reported. And specifically, South Africa have seen 21% decrease in the past four days. On the whole, some of all of these statistics are tending towards there is a success 
that has been recorded in Africa in times of the fight against COVID-19. So um, what do you think is responsible for this? All right. Uh, thank you very much for your question, John. Uh, well, my take is uh, uh, that uh, there are three factors that are making Africa surprise the whole world in terms of uh, COVID-19. The first one is that uh, I think that uh, the continent was uh, probably the last place in terms of continents where COVID strike, striked. Uh, in the sense that uh, it started, I think, in China, then it went to the West, Europe. And uh, so when it was coming to Africa, I think that uh, we had noticed or heard how serious the virus was. It was like uh, we were at the back of the line in terms of receiving COVID cases. So somehow I think uh, that gave us a little bit of a head start in terms of uh, uh, managing it. The second one is that uh, I think uh, you might as, as well understand that uh, apart from COVID-19, the continent has a lot of other pandemics that, that it deals with, the African continent. For instance, I think in the past, we have dealt with uh, Ebola, we have dealt with tuberculosis, TB, but also uh, you can add uh, HIV and AIDS as well as a, as a pandemic. So I think our healthcare systems somehow are resilient because of uh, prior exposure to managing pandemics. Uh, so uh, we or the whole world thought that our health systems were going to collapse, but uh, I think we have done fairly well. That's the second point. And the third one, I think uh, it's not backed by science, but my view is that uh, maybe African people in general, uh, black people, we are somehow resilient to, uh, to COVID-19 because it hasn't hit us as as, much, as hard as it has hit the West. Uh, as, I'm, as I'm talking to you right now, John Malawi, in our case, we've only had 179 deaths from COVID-19. And most of these were people who had already underlying issues. And uh, in the last 24 hours, we've had zero new cases, zero deaths, four recoveries. Uh, but that's a trend. For the past month, I think we've been having maybe two or one cases, but very few deaths. So that shows you that I think maybe because we get malaria from time to time, we get all these vaccinations when we are young from uh, all these uh, diseases, measles and all that. So maybe somehow our bodies are inclined to, to stand strong uh, against the COVID-19 virus. Uh, well, uh, that that's one of the narrative outside there also. And, um, well, we can't um, totally um, displace that except otherwise proven, you know. Uh, you know, in, in Malawi, yeah. uh, like you said, you've actually touched that area that um, currently there is just um, 179 total number of deaths that has been recorded and um, with people that are with underlying um, heinousies and the likes. But um, we need to put it in context because I love to work with um, data a lot, you know. The percentage of recovery it's, it's, yeah. it's, is about 78.1% because the total number of confirmed cases is 5,779 5, and the total number of recovery is going Correct. towards um, 4,514, um, you know. 
and um out of these do, those people that have recovered and i think um on the first or second of october we have a whooping um, a number of persons of 251 recorded to be recovered now if, if, if you look at this the the, the, the the what 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 i've been looking at ever since or thinking about is um, what what are the strategies that the malawian government actually put in place to all use or employed uh, in, in combating this 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 pandemic basically what the government did was that earlier on we took a different approach i think we followed the sweden approach where we didn't have a lockdown we had a what we call a partial lockdown where they wanted to limit the public movements so schools were closed uh markets had designated times and all that but that's in march now at the beginning of uh the, when the, we had the first case but uh this was challenged in court uh because we we had a political situation around that time i think we're uh, expecting fresh elections that had been sanctioned by the court so most malarians were skeptic to say that maybe the government then was trying to use covid to delay the fresh elections and all that so it was challenged in court the mini lockdown that 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 uh, suggested uh then life went back to normal we had a, a fresh election in uh in uh, uh june 23rd 2010 2020 but before that when the mini lockdown was challenged i think uh what the government did was still encourage malawians to wear masks uh uh sanitize their hands and maintain physical distances whenever they're in public places but also we had a lot of um you know for us here in malawi our biggest economy within the region is south africa so most malawians go to work in south africa in uh, in people's homes what but most malawian youths or malawian men and women trek down to south africa for for greener pastures so when there was a there was a very strict lockdown in south africa and uh most malayans who work in south africa had to be repatriated back to malawi so i think all those numbers if you you're telling me about the statistics we had 5000 plus cases most of those covid-19 cases were people who were uh who work in south africa and because there was a lockdown in south africa they asked the malawi government to bring them back so they had to repatriate there were buses coming in maybe twice every week maybe three or four big buses full of malayans who were working in South Africa when they would come here they would be taken to isolation centers uh they would test positive most of them and uh they take they would be taken to isolation centers unfortunately the isolation centers most of them were not secure enough so they would bolt from the isolation centers and go back into their communities to meet their families and that's how the virus was spread uh our airports because we usually get flights in from Nairobi, Kenya, Tanzania, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and South Africa. So, once they had closed their uh, airports, that's why very few flights were coming into Malawi. But still, there were still a certain number of people who tested positive who brought the virus through our airports. Hmm. Uh when we voted, we have a new government from the 23rd of June. They took a different approach uh to COVID-19. They uh went to parliament and came up with a law on public health guidelines uh to combat COVID-19 which made mask wearing mandatory in public. So whether in public trans- transport uh in public places always wear a mask 
you don't wear a mask there was a fine that uh, there's a fine that you can pay to the police so that kind of like uh, encouraged a lot of us to wear masks and schools have have been closed since march they were only they're only opening now i think starting two weeks ago uh universities are opening uh secondary schools are opening primary schools are as well i think they're starting on monday and uh but fairly uh the government has handled the covid-19 realistically dependent on our situation because you know that most people in this part of the world i'm sure in nigeria as well uh poor people they earn their daily bread on a daily basis so they don't have like savings where they can go on a lockdown and they'll manage just fine they can have food for for a week or so for most of malawi most people in malawi they go to the market in the morning trade whatever that they sell at the market bring the sales home on the way home buy a meal for their family to eat in the evening then they'll go back tomorrow as well whether they're construction workers or their drivers they're making money on a daily basis so we didn't have a lockdown like the one that they had in South Africa where the economy was closed no so uh, my, my 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 assessment of the government is that uh, they handled the covid-19 realistically curtailed or tailor made their whole response to to be in line with our way of our way of life here in Malawi that's what i can say um, okay let's 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 assess the economy you know uh, all over the, the world covid-19 has actually uh, grounded had adverse effect or impact uh, on the economy uh, but looking at statistics i think um, there is a way does as hit um, malawi real bad in a way right uh, if you look at um, the three years trajectory uh, there has been an increase in economic growth in malawi you know uh, even before uh, before the the global covid-19 pandemic now malawi uh-huh. economy grew by 4.4% in 2019 uh-huh. uh a marked in you know and um, there is a marked increase from uh that that's a marked increase from 3.5% in 2018 you know and all these yeah. are supported by a rebound in the agricultural pro- pro- production right most especially that of yeah. that, that of maize maize production yeah. uh, the real yeah. gdp growth for 2020 you know was projected to in september 2019 to be 4.8% due to the expectation yeah. you know the expectation yeah. from what was gotten and a whole lot you know um, but look look at the what the pandemic has actually caused right now it is 2.0 in 2020 yeah and all of this there is also there's this high fiscal deficit that have contributed to the accumulation of domestic debt now now absolutely now how did the government responded to this because the economy is important the country went on partial lockdown not even a, a total lockdown yet the economy has gone this bad so what is yeah. the response of the government to this and um do do you think the government got it right or maybe they are getting it right yeah yeah all right uh, thank you very much john for your question uh you're right you're right that uh before covid 19 came on the scene malawi economically was doing very well uh starting from 2017 2018 2019 then covid came on the on the scene uh unfortunately like any other economy malawi especially malawi being a small economy we have been affected badly 
we're a country that imports a lot. Uh, we're an agrarian economy, so that means uh, we're dependent on uh, agricultural produce. But COVID-19 has led to the contraction of our economy. And uh, most people have lost jobs. Most companies are downsizing because they can't afford to pay their staff. Their staff. Most houses, if you have housemaids or employees, people have had to let them go. Production has gone very low. Our exports, we export a lot of agricultural produce. I'll give an example of tea. 2019, I think the tea industry exported close to 3.5 million US dollars. But this time around, because of COVID, they've only managed to export 250,000 US dollars. That's a very small amount of money. And uh, the government, in terms of collecting revenue, their taxes, the collection has gone so low. Uh, however, the government has responded by coming up with a very ambitious national budget and deliberate policies in terms of uh, tax breaks to companies so that uh, they don't lay off their staff by paying a lot of corporate taxes. So they've given them tax breaks. Uh, the Reserve Bank as well released a lot of money, that's our central bank, into the commercial banks to allow corporate entities, uh, these are private, the private sector too, borrow the money from the commercial banks to stay afloat. They released, I think, uh, it should have been a billion billion uh, dollars, I think, into the into the economy. Uh, but also not just that, uh, our national budget is uh, dubbed uh, the COVID-19 budget because uh, it has deliberate policies. For instance, I think for imports, a lot of uh, products like uh, that we use for COVID-19, for instance, I think we have, uh, they've cut down taxes on uh, buying for hospitals to buy equipment uh, for to be used in the management of COVID-19. Uh, people who are importing masks or hand sanitizers, face shields, I think they have, no government has removed taxes and stuff like that. But also they've pumped a lot of money into the uh, private sector in the national in the national budget by uh, cutting down pri- uh, corporate taxes. So the revenue authorities collecting less tax, less tax from uh, private companies. We are because they've just passed the national budget. I think uh, last week. So we're yet to see how that will play out in the coming months. Uh, but otherwise, I think uh, the government has taken steps to address the economic uh, contraction that the country has faced uh, from COVID-19. And uh, the projections are that uh, we may be heading into a recession, maybe the first quarter of 2021, but we're yet to see that. Because like I said, the budget has just been passed last week. So parliament was passed the budget last week. That means that uh, the effects of this budget are yet to be seen in the coming couple of uh, weeks. But the government has has tried to come up with a response. Wow. Let, let's look at it from this angle. Same is coming from Mauritania, Nigeria, um, yeah. Zimbabwe, you know, Tanzania, yeah. uh, and a whole lot, Kenya, yeah. and a whole lot like that, you know, Rwanda uh, coming like that. Do you think that the success in Africa that has been recorded in Africa uh, so far as regards declining rate of the number of uh, cases, you know, can it be attributed to how young persons um, is leading or has led the fight against COVID-19? 
Yeah. Uh, well, I can say, I can I can 100% say that. I think that uh, Malawi being a youth majority country, we're the majority in this country, uh, and also uh, uh, science has said that uh, young people are the ones who uh, usually get exposed to COVID-19 because of uh, our lifestyle or behavior, where we are the ones who are always, most of the times, going out, we're the ones who are in mostly crowded places and uh, we're also most of the times the ones going to church or to a stadium to watch a soccer match or to go to a party or even in school uh, as compared to uh, older people. Older people probably go to work and probably pass by this supermarket or the mall and they, they go back home. So uh, if it wasn't for young people taking a leading role to advise fellow young people to say, hey, let's stop taking this as a joke, it's a serious thing, uh, wouldn't be uh, where we are now, I'm sure. Wouldn't be where we are now. And uh, uh, I must I must just, I think, commend the youths of this country, Malawi. Uh, we're at the forefront. Uh, there were campaigns on, I think some are still ongoing on social media. Uh, we took part uh, at our organization in some of those on radio, on TV, national TV, uh, through WhatsApps, uh, clips, video clips on WhatsApp saying, hey, 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 everybody thinks it's a joke. COVID-19 is a joke until it happens to you. Uh, let's take it seriously. So when you open your radio, music would play there about COVID-19, coronavirus. Stay safe, stay at home. Uh, you read the newspaper. You open your Facebook, the whole timeline was about that. Uh, you go on Twitter. That uh, helped in adjusting behaviors. Uh, if you understand, COVID-19 is a very behavior-based uh, pandemic. So uh, changing our behaviors was key in uh, narrowing the curve of the spread and uh, a local transmission here in Malawi. Uh, was reduced significantly by just changing in our behaviors. More youth would stay, more young people would stay at home. We don't like staying at home, but would stay in our homes, uh, go out less, pubs, no more of those gatherings, no more sports activities to attend. Churches mostly were closed, so no more young people going there. And I think that contributed a lot to our success, I must say. So let me just commend the youths of Malawi for, for taking a leading role to help uh, the government in protecting Malawians. And that has just not only protected the young people, has also protected our healthcare workers, but also older people, parents, grandparents, are, are now safe from COVID because the younger people changed their behaviors earlier on. Okay, um, that 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 in person, and, and of course, it's it, it actually uh, instructive to other youth in, in the continent uh, because you know it's important we need to encourage ourselves. There should be cross national learning because the truth is, we are African, you know. Um, Absolutely. Um, do you think the Malawian government is actually partnering with the youth? Uh, in providing response to COVID-19. Uh, you mentioned rightly the other time about the 19-year-old um, that actually came up with the innovation of the automatic um, 
um, sanitizer dis- uh, dispenser and of course uh, yeah. that of um, uh, where you could be sanitized you know your body could be could be um, sanitized you could go through the uv radiation uh, you know the light you mentioned yeah. the other time now you said yeah. they got support from the e- european union i was expecting yeah. you to say they got support from the malawian government <laughs> yeah no i hear you i hear you unfortunately um, i must say that uh i don't know but i think the government uh in terms of uh their response to covid 19 I think they took a different approach in terms of where they channeled their money. Uh, so uh, I think that's something that now we can actually uh, rebuke the government on because uh, I think the ma- their money was channeled irresponsibly. I'm saying irresponsibly because I think uh, they focused on uh, buying test kit- testing kits which, as we have already discussed earlier on in this program, are not still enough up to this date. But also, they were going ahead to buy testing kits when we had received significant amounts of donations of the same from the Chinese government, Jack Ma Foundation, uh, I think from the United States government, used through USAID, uh, uh, and many other multinational uh, partners donated uh, testing kits. So the money that the government uh, raised and the money that they had allocated for COVID-19, nobody really can point out to say it went here or there. Actually, there was a scandal before we voted on the 23rd of June, before the previous government uh, cabinet ministers just decided to split COVID-19 allowances and they were on the road almost every day Gospel nothing. They would say we're going to a certain district. So a cabinet of say 20, 20, 20 members, they'll split themselves across the country. These cabinet ministers are going there to go supervise the COVID-19 project. These are these other ministers are going there, they'll just split on our allowances. And two cabinet ministers, the Minister of Health then and the Minister of Information, were caught on a hot mic, which they had thought was off, saying that, well, you know. The allowances, let, let's not show them because they are paying themselves ridiculous amounts of allowances every day to travel and supervise COVID responses uh, or to build what they were calling isolation centers in districts across the country, which never materialized anyway. So they were giving themselves money and they were caught on a hot mic when they are denied that they were getting allowances. They're saying, well, let's just remove the allowances on the paper. Why are they put the allowances on the paper? When the media gets hold of this, we're going to be in trouble. It's going to be a scandal. And that whole mic caught them right on camera and the whole country heard that people circulated. So if you were to ask me, do you know, can you follow through where the COVID-19 funds that was allocated by the government and maybe some donations which the government receives to fight COVID-19, where the money went? I'll be tongue-tied. I'll be, I will not have an answer because we don't know where that money went, to be frank with you. And that's something that uh, I think is sad about this whole thing. The government did not invest the funds into local initiatives like uh, the one that I was talking about being led by the young man who innovated something. They didn't say, okay, produce a lot of those and we'll buy them and put them maybe 
in schools across the country or in hospitals across the country or public places like markets, wherever, no. And you can see the European Union funding this initiative because the Malay government didn't seem interested in it. And uh, that's the sad part. Uh, uh, isolation centers that were built were substandard. I think, uh, I just think that uh, knowing what I know, I think that money went into the hands of politicians and a few connected individuals across the country. And uh, what do you call that? I think that's called corruption. So I think all the COVID-19 funds in this country uh, were abused uh, by corruption. And uh, and that's, 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 that's a very sad thing. That's a very, very sad thing. That's, that's the sad thing, you know. Uh, yeah. I, you yeah. know, I, I, I love the way you linked uh, the aspect of uh, partnering, the government partnering with the youth uh, to uh, fiscal transparency and accountability, which is actually yeah. the last segment we actually want to look at on this program uh, because uh, transparency and accountability matters in all. Um, not just about knowing the amount that was um, generated. I mean, the generated amount in kind of... Um, um, and of course, some of the expenses, both capital expenditure or recurrent expenditure. Um, however, we also need to understand uh, the procurement process. You know, every nation should have a public procurement law to see how open the process is. Uh, well, I think you've actually touched that to say that corruption actually tried in 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 the. Uh, in the time of COVID-19 in Malawi, which is the saddening, and uh, which will make me now talk about the participation of young people. Yes, it's true they're coming with innovations and um, there there is initiatives coming up from young people, but what about asking questions? Yeah, uh, thank you, thank you very much for for your. I think it's a very important question in terms of uh, accountability because. Uh, COVID-19 uh, is not sparing anyone, uh, including uh, politicians. We've had politicians in this country who have died from COVID-19. We've had also politicians who have gotten COVID-19 and gotten well. So you can see that uh, that's something that uh, is unique about COVID-19 is the fact that it did not discriminate. So it didn't just go to someone who is poor or every, everyone is actually a, a potential victim of COVID-19. Uh, and it's just sad to see that uh, the funds that were allocated to fight this this pandemic were not account- accounted for up to this this day. Uh, as the use of this country, uh, our wish is to hold the government accountable. COVID-19 is not over yet. We're still going through it. We've just passed a new budget, like I told you. And there's also allocation of funds there for COVID-19. We are trying so hard uh, under the banner of the Human Rights Defenders Coalition in this country to hold the government to account, to say, can you account for the money? Because for instance, this is a new government. And what we are saying is, as a new government, you as the president, you made an announcement, your first press briefing after being inaugurated, you say, there was close to 6 billion Malawi kwacha as uh, money that was left behind by the previous administration for COVID-19. And then there was additional money 
that your government had allocated in the mid-review budget. Where is that? Where is that money? And what has it done? Those are the questions that we're asking. I am hoping that uh, maybe the new administration will be able to provide answers for that. But I think what we can do as young people is to make noise, try to hold the government to account so that at least this money goes towards fighting the pandemic, not into politicians' hands. It's very unfortunate that businessmen, politicians have taken advantage of this pandemic to enrich themselves even further by looting this, this, the, 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 their location for, to fight this pandemic. But uh, uh, a lot, we're still lacking a lot of things as a country in fighting COVID-19. And uh, we are in summer now in Malawi, so it's very hot. Maybe that's one of the reasons why our numbers are also kind of timid. The COVID-19 numbers are flat. We don't know how long that will be for. Schools are reopening now. The numbers might go up again. We'll need more testing kits. It's, it's, it's been a, a fiasco, a bad, bad fiasco, because health workers, they, they are not getting their risk allowances. But you had politicians going to supervise these, these initiatives, getting fat allowances. You would have uh, teachers now that schools are opening. They're asking for risk allowances because they'll be exposing themselves. They're not getting a risk, any risk allowances. Uh, and yet there's money allocated for that. So ours is how prepared, for instance, now that schools are opening, how prepared is the government to make sure that schools are safe for students? Uh, there are a lot of parents who are actually now worried say ah, probably my kids will go back to school next year because i'm not so sure if they go to school there if they want to be safe because the government is playing core in terms of how safe are schools now that they're opening what initiatives or measures have they put in place in those schools but uh, like i was telling you i think as youths of this country activists of this country the least that we can do is hold up our politicians account and that's what we've been trying to do throughout this whole pandemic, and especially with this new government, we're asking them every day, can you account for this money? Where has this money gone? Can you tell us which companies got tenders to supply these things and where those things supplied? Because in our country, I don't know if it happens in your country, or there's there have been stories, so many stories in the past where people get tenders to award uh, certain items to the government, they receive the money, but those things are not supplied. So we are we are really trying. We are really trying through press conferences. We're engaging the responsible ministries, uh, making noise about everything, so that at least we get the truth from our politicians. Uh, we hope that works out, and that eventually we'll probably get an account, a true account of what happened. But uh, we are we are pessimistic about that. I'm going to be frank with you. So I think as the youth. Our goal has been to get the truth from the government. Unfortunately, we have not been successful to, to to get correct information about how these funds have been managed. Well, um, that that looks like um, you know it's the way you were actually talking about the story. I at some point I was like, oh God, <laughs> how is it gonna look? You know. Um, when young persons yeah. are also trying that the country gets better, but yet the, the elected officials, the politicians are trying to frustrate the effort. Where, however, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a drop of water, drops of water makes an ocean, right? We just need to yeah. um, 
you know start you need to start it pull it pull it until we get it done you know and of course yeah. um, we need to also understand that the office of the citizen is the highest in the land you know there is no way Absolutely. there is Absolutely. no way you want to do it um the, the 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 understanding that the office of the citizen is a passport to a better life you know it's very very Absolutely. important and it is very very um key in all of this but of course um there are political uh, opportunists that want to use the um, health emergency the earth crisis the global pandemic as a way or as yes as a way to actually see that corruption thrive like you've rightly mentioned however the young persons um the citizens must not allow and how can this be this be done ask questions you know like you said ask questions create a hashtag on 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 twitter on facebook the social media let it trend you know over and over then towards some particular time we believe that there will be response well 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 you know the way it's going it is unraveled you know it is a a a, a series a, a podcast series and a show which is basically uh, a, a, a deeply researched content that analyzes state what is well right today we've been talking to the young man you know um, from Malawi uh, the generation democracy alumni and of course he has explained uh, rightly explained how the management of covid-19 here in Malawi and of course we've learned quite a lot thank you for coming Thank you very much John. Thank you very much John for for having me on the program. And this is how we have on this episode. Thank you.